Greetings, and welcome to Broken Boxes Podcast. After years of planning a conversation together for the podcast, artist and friend Raven Half Moon and I sat down for a chat on a sunny summer afternoon above the Clay Education Workspace at the Archie Bray Foundation for Ceramic Arts in Helena, Montana. We talked about the beginning of Raven's path as an artist and how, although she works across mediums, her practice has most recently been centered in clay, and she has been going big. We speak to her conceptual approach of building large-scale ceramics as a means to take up space for indigenous women, and how her recent works echo her community and cultural inspirations. We speak about navigating within the various art worlds, including the ceramic and clay community, the native art world, and the larger contemporary art market. Raven shares how working with clay has taught her patience, understanding, and an acknowledgement that failure, as much as success, is part of the clay journey. As we round out the conversation, Raven reflects on how as artists, we can't just stay cooped up in our studios. We also have to go out, live our lives, and be with our communities in order to be able to do our creative work in a sustainable way. Raven reminds us to find balance and practice great care with one of the most valuable resources we possess, which is time. Raven Half Moon is Caddo Nation from Norman, Oklahoma. She attended the University of Arkansas where she earned a double bachelor's degree in ceramics and painting and cultural anthropology. Her work has been featured in multiple exhibitions throughout the U.S. as well as internationally. Raven currently lives and works in Norman, Oklahoma. Cheers! Cheers! Yay! Finally! I know. No, it's my fault. Sorry. I was guilt tripping. I get a little. little I know. I was like, both my parents were like, "Those are your like good friends. Why wouldn't you do that?" I was like, "Things that go on record in the world make me nervous." I know. <laughs> Well, I wonder what that is. Like, hmm. a lot of people have it. Um, maybe it's just the lack of control. That, I think right now we're going through also a big cancellation culture. Ooh. So just anything that you've ever tweeted, said, put out video, like, on record is, like, people can pull from anything. And, you know, not that I'm saying anything bad, but it's just putting that out there for people to either love, to hate. So it's, yeah, it can be a little nerve wracking. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. That's a good point. Cancel culture's got us all like having some trauma, some PTSD. Yeah, yeah a little bit. I'm like, don't hate on me. Well, I've had to deal with it a lot, just like going to art school and mm -hmm. you like are in critiques and then anything you put out in the world has to be critiqued naturally. So you have to artists kind of have to have a thick skin, like not everyone's going to love you and you just have to know that. So I guess, you know, putting recordings or video out is the same thing. I think I'm just a little bit more, <laughs> I think I'm stronger with putting my artwork out, but like, yeah. Also the artwork is like a front for me. Mm -hmm. It also acts as like my first wall and like kind of guards of like my realm and like my sanctuary. And then when I have to go and like, you know, it's, it's, it's a wall between us. There's a little bit of, uh, yeah, people can't get to like the heart of who I am. I'm a little, I'm a little, um, yeah, I'm, I'm picky about who I share that with and who I give like, 
time to and share certain things. And I think, yeah, that's maybe why too. Mm. Well, <laughs> not shucks. that you're, uh, yeah. well, I feel so honored. And <laughs> yeah, lucky. no, it's good. I know. I felt bad to say. <laughs> So everybody else who wasn't able to have Raven Half Moon interviewed, I don't I trust get you. To. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but we've known each other. Oh well, let's let's just start like officially. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. are we officially started? We. I'll probably keep that mm-hmm. in, but um, yeah. Let's let's start. Let's start with that. Like, it's always good to start with the vulnerable note, anyway. But. Um, Raven Half Moon, here we are sitting at Archie Bray. This is uh, the third year that me and Shanupa have come back here for him to work. The third year that you've also been here, Mm -hmm. that we've gotten to be in community with you in like a really special way. Mm -hmm. And so do you want to just introduce to the world who you are, what affiliations you identify with, how how you talk about yourself in the world and what kind of art you do? Yeah. Um, so I'm Raven Half Moon. I am enrolled citizen Caddo Nation. Um, I'm also Choctaw, Delaware, and Oto. Um, and I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. So that's kind of um, the how I affiliate. Oh, and then I also always say I'm an indigenous, contemporary indigenous artist. So yeah, I kind of that's where I grew up, and I was always doing art at a young age, and always. Uh, yeah, what was the question? I'm like losing what the question was. I'm like, I'm starting from the beginning. No, but who are you? Where do you come from? Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. yeah, art. I do art, all the things. Um, I think people know me right now as a sculptor. I work in ceramics, but I just consider myself an artist. I do. I studied painting and ceramics and anthropology when I was in school, and I sketch and draw, and I feel like now I also paint on clay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm an artist. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while to get here. Being an artist is uh, it's a hard job, but yeah. I'm glad to be here. It's, it's, it's been tough. It's been beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that's it's, what it's this, a journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what this podcast is all about. It's kind of like sharing a little bit behind the veil, so to speak. And like, it's not always easy, the road to being an artist. There's a lot of like unknowns. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stuff that we don't share on social media or like in the larger art world that people might see that's going on, Mm -hmm. you know? So your journey to becoming an artist, did it start at art school or do you have artists in your family? So I, all of my family has worked, you know, kind of within art world and within Indian country. My dad works for the chief of the Cherokee Nation and my mom has been the museum director for multiple cultural museums that have opened within tribes in Oklahoma. So I was always like encouraged to make artwork and, you know, always, my family always taught me the importance of being connected to culture, community. And so when I started making art, that was always important for me. And I always, you know, I painted and did drawings ever since I can remember. That's the one job I wanted to do was to be an artist, an artist or a CIA agent. That was the other one I would always put down when I was like in kindergarten. I was like, I'm going to be a CIA agent. But uh, yeah, artist worked out. And yeah, so I 
had my first kind of um, play with clay with an elder in my tribe who's revitalized caddo pottery, traditional mm. caddo pottery. Her name's Jerry Redcorn. And so when I was 13, that's when I did my first clay class. And um, we made traditional caddo pots and pit fired them. And then from there, I went to school and, you know, had more of an academic um, understanding of being in contemporary art and taking like wheel throwing classes and hand building classes when I was in school. Mm. But, but you said that clay is just one of the many things you do Mm -hmm. and you are in my mind known for clay. I mean, you are known for clay at this point because not only do you do clay, but you do big, big, big things with clay. You're kind of pushing the boundary of what's even possible with Mm -hmm. clay. So what are the other uh, mediums that you like to work in or that you've been nurturing? Yeah. So painting has always been a big passion in my life as well. I don't show as, I don't show paintings as much. And actually for the past couple years, ceramics has kind of taken over my life. But I also think of my clay pieces as paintings. Mm -hmm. When I was in school and even after I would stretch like four or five foot canvases and um, working really gestural with the body was something that I've always enjoyed. So I think that naturally went into my clay work. They're really large pieces. They have a very painterly look to them. Um, you know, they're meant to kind of show the medium that I'm using. So a lot of my pieces are a little bit like messy and loose and um, show the clay texture and show the glaze painting texture. I like leaving drips in there. I like some parts to be um, opaque, transparent, like almost the same that you would use for like acrylic um, paint and oil-based paint. So I like to see those same things in my ceramic work. So I think it's just been like a natural progression of like bringing those two things together um, aesthetically. No, that's interesting because Chinupa, who also works in clay, um, always talks about it as like painting in 3D. Yes. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about the obsession with the female form Mm -hmm. that's in your work. Yeah. Because that's kind of what you focus on Mm -hmm. at this point and Mm -hmm. larger and larger. So is there like a feminist manifesto that you're asserting or like, is it just because you're a woman and you just like to see that reflection or what, what's kind of the deeper, the deeper meanings and themes that you're drawing out? I think it's both of those things. It's for sure inherently like feminist and has that kind of feminist manifesto. And those are things that I believe in, but also it's sharing what I know, sharing my personal experiences and me going through this world. I'm a woman. I also think it has to do with a lot of the like movements we're seeing. A lot of my work has to do with um, sociopolitical movements as well. So we're seeing this BIPOC, we're seeing love all body sizes, we're seeing all the curves. And so, and that's how I'm built and that's how my mom is built and that's how my grandmother is built. So kind of seeing more of this imagery of like the very voluptuous woman and just going through the world, living how I live, that's kind of where it has, it is born from. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's all of those combined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what made you go big with the clay? Um, So big. There's a few different things. I was always, um, when I was in school studying, 
you know, these kind of large scale earthworks that are here in North America specifically, um, Caddo's are, our ancestors are mound builders. And so there's the Spiro Mound in Oklahoma, there's Moundville, Moundville in Alabama, there's the Cahokia Mounds, and then the Great Serpent Mound in Ohio. And so these really large scale earthworks had a big impact on me. The thought of, you know, it takes, a community to help build all this. It's not just like one person, it's not just one voice. I really liked that aspect. Also places that make me, also places that make me feel quiet. This could be an important painting in a museum. This could be a national monument. Even living here in Montana when I would like go and float the river and be in like some of these crazy huge cannons. It's, it's spaces that make you feel small and quiet for a minute that was really important to me and something that I wanted people to get from my work. So when I set up shows, that's kind of the impact that I want. They're supposed to make you quiet and they're supposed to feel spiritual and almost in a way ceremonial. So that's kind of when I've experienced that, that's what I really enjoy in works. Um, also just the technicalities of what these large scale pieces look like. Like even if you look at the Olmec heads in Mexico or the Easter Island heads, like just even imagining moving those and the technology to do that and how many people were involved is crazy. And so that was always, that always blew my mind. And so naturally it's just what my work has become. You know, wow. that was always super cool to me. So yeah, I wanted to have people help me too. <laughs> <laughs> and they need to. It's mm -hmm. like part of your process mm -hmm. with clay, right? Like mm -hmm. um, you build some of your more recent works in multiple pieces, taking multiple large kiln fires. Let's kind of like break down and talk about specifically one work. So right now you have a solo presentation at the Aldrich Museum mm -hmm. and you have the largest work to date that you made. Mm -hmm. And what was her name again? Um, so that piece is titled Flag Bearer. Flag Bearer. So she, um, that whole show is called um, Flags of Our Mothers and it's kind of a homage to, you know, all to not only my personal, like to not only the strong women in my life, but to the women that raise us and like have to put in all the work. And I really wanted to build a show that was paid homage to that. And so the flagship piece in that show is titled Flag Bearer. And I made that piece about a year and a half ago in California. Also, it's titled Flag Bearer because putting all these works together and especially for this show, once you were in the room and how large they are, like it really felt like to me, like almost a new nation, like I'm building a new narrative, but again, not a new narrative. It's like a, it's, it's a, um, it's like a history that hasn't, it's histories that haven't been heard. And it felt like a new nation in a way that was like, we're here to stay. These are the things we have to say. And I use only like the colors, black, white, and red. I keep it super simple. And so my work to me look like big flags and using some kind of like iconic imagery too, that I put like stars on there. I put, um, red river, the red river motif. That's on a lot of Cadoan pots. I put that on a lot of the pieces. So they're kind of like this, they're very graphic. And so they kind of reminded me of flags, flags of um, the people I'm building mm -hmm. and people who we don't get to hear a lot of 
their story. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where the title of that show came from. And then the title of that piece, um, that's the 13 foot one. Yeah. Yeah, So 13 feet. How did you create that? What was like the build process for that? So I was invited out to California State Long Beach where they have an eight foot kiln. It's one of the biggest, yeah, in the nation. And, um, I started with, there was a whole team that came with me to help like build that work. Um, and it was just like stacking up coil by coil. It was kind of crazy to like see it all like come together at the end. I was like, wow, so much work has gone into this. It feels just because I made it so long ago, you know, it's like such a long process. So building all of it, there was a team of people, there was like six of us and like, um, we would be rolling out coils and some people would be stacking and helping me build. And then we had some people that were like smoothing the inside and doing like clay armatures. And then we did that in a three-step process. So because all the work, none of those pieces, I didn't build it stacked up. I had to like first build the legs and then on a separate cart, build the torso and on a third cart, build the head. So it's weird. You had to like line everything up. I didn't know what it was going to look like till it was put together like five days before the show. (laughs) I was like, hope it looks okay. Um, (laughs) But no, it turned out great. And Yeah. So it was just, the building was a lot, but that's my favorite part of the process is, Mm -hmm. um, the building. Mm -hmm. That's what I love the most. And so that was super exciting for me. And from there, everything dried and then they fired slowly in a kiln one by one. And then after they got glazed and then they fired in a kiln one Mm -hmm. by one. So yeah, they fire for like, they're in a kiln, those pieces for about 21 days like three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That's crazy. a long time. It's so long. Even I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so you do traditional Caddo style, um, building for even these large sculptures. Mm-hmm. So when you have help and support, do you kind of like tell your assistants, like mm-hmm. this is, this is the jam. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of go over, you know, everyone who helps me, they, I need to tell them about my practice. We always have like a cleansing as well for everybody because I want all this work to be like made in a good way. Mm -hmm. So I want people to, you know, understand what it means for them to help me and how thankful I am for their like labor and their sweat. And so we do it all in a right way. And then they get a little bit of history of what I'm trying to make. And from there, they can decide if they, you know, want to help and want to be a part of it. And um, luckily everyone has so far. (laughs) So that's always a good thing. But yeah, there's always, there's always some, a little, you know, history that a little backstory and some things that have to be said prior. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we want good energies for everything. It's funny too, because that work seems very poignant and serious in a certain respect, but I know that you have a lot of humor and you as a person, like we, I was even telling you, joking about it a couple of days ago, how like you're, if you don't know you, you think you're so staunch and like just Mm -hmm. hardcore and tough, but you're like one of the sweetest, funniest people that we know. Thanks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But that that comes out in your art too. You know, like you do like these female forms with like sunglasses on and you do like Louis Vuitton bags out of clay and like, or maybe you didn't 
Did you? I did. You yeah. did, right? That was, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can we talk about humor and what it means to you in your practice and when you choose to use it and when you choose to be more serious? Yeah. I think that's a balance that I'm constantly working on prior to, you know, I'm starting to add a little bit more with like cowboy hats and sunglasses and Louis Vuitton because again, these are my experiences. These are things that I like. These are things that have importance to like the time and age that we're living in. And I think, you know, showing that in the work is also important to me. So I think humor is always like a back and forth. Yeah, I feel like when I'm in the studio and like working alone, we deal, you know, and I'm sure other artists will say this as well. It can be, you know, it can be tough. It's dealing with heavy subject matter. It's dealing with hard things that our ancestors, that I've, that our families have been through. And so the studio can get, especially when you're alone, it can just get like heavy and like processing all this information and trying to talk about it and then like trying to make work about it. And so I feel like because of that, when I flip the coin and then once I leave studio, it's like almost, I have to let that heaviness go. You know, I gotta, I gotta breathe. I gotta let it go. And so that's where kind of my humor comes in because that's that's my balance of how I like work and make and talk about like, you know, what my family has been through. But then at the same time, I need I can't live in that space 24 seven. Like I also have to release and, mm-hmm. have you know, have some humor. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think us natives are pretty good at that, though. <laughs> Good at having some humor. But you bring it into your practice too. Yeah. But like you need that joy there to share out with everybody. Yeah. And I'm definitely starting to bring it into my practice for sure. I think a while ago I didn't, but now I feel like that's an important part of like who I am and like who my family is. And so I am starting to add like the sunglasses and the aviators. And I'm also kind of doing funnier titles too Mm -hmm. with my work, kind of doing some puns and Mm -hmm. having fun with it. So I think it's, I think it's good. Yeah. 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 So what's, what's kind of the next thing pulling you? Is it going bigger? Is it going smaller? Is it changing material? Like feels um, like you've been really just kind of head down in a trajectory for a little bit with yeah. these figures and you've gone so big and it's so grand. I mean, you could like one up yourself or you could pivot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I did what I needed to do with the large scale for sure. And that meaning like large scale is in clay. Clay can be like really finicky. It can be fragile. I feel like with the last piece that I did, Flag Bearer, I really pushed a medium like to its limits. Like I asked that clay to do a lot and it did it for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like clay is always like a relationship. I always say it's my like number one relationship. I feel like I'm in a romantic place with this medium. But after making that large scale piece, I kind of figured out it, it, it brought to, it shed some light on a lot of um, things, different things that I want to do and pivot from. And then I also worked through a lot of issues with working that large too, and like figured out a lot of things. And I feel like I did what I needed to say. Like I accomplished, like, I feel like I was always this on this trajectory of like bigger, 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 go bigger. And then I did it. And I feel, I feel like it's done. Like I said what I needed to say with it. And so from there, I think I want to pivot and work with some other materials. I think, um, 
you know, still working large scale. I'm always going to be about the large scale, but making maybe making things in some material that's easier, not as heavy, can weather elements a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the next area, I think. Um, but I'll, I'll always work in clay. That's kind of, that's... That's my love language. <laughs> they should add clay to the five love languages. I'm like, clay, I'll never leave it. <laughs> I love that about being in like a literal romantic relationship because is. there is so much heart work involved and it can really break your heart at any point of the relationship process. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the clay and its process. That's why I say it will take, like once you get started in clay, watch out, cause it will take over your life. <laughs> Where I feel like a painting you could, you know, work on a day of and then show it clay is like, you know, you have the building process, which has a lot of issues and then drying, you can have tons of issues. That's where I probably have the most. And then the firing, mm -hmm. like every time you open a kiln, I feel like it's Christmas time. <laughs> Because you're like, ah, hope the kiln gods. I know, I always say prayers to the kiln gods. I'm like, do me well. Do me well. So do so. you want to share, like, maybe what one of the biggest catastrophes was with clay? Do you have yeah, one? Yeah, I have one. It was actually at the Archie Bray, where we're at. Oh. Yeah. I was, um, but the, everything is always a lesson. So I was getting ready for a show. Um, and I had like three huge pieces in a kiln and I was pushing, um, for a deadline and I put them in and the sculptures were still like the clay was still wet. And I was like, you know what? They'll be fine. I'm just going to fire. Like I have to ship these out. And then I turned up the kiln and shut the door and walked away. And about like 10 seconds later, I heard like, boom, boom, like sh two or three huge like explosions in the kiln and I opened it back up and they were all gone. I had to throw them all away and they were all like really large. So oh that's when God. I decided I was like, I'm never going to push for like clay is its own <laughs> being. It, it needs time. It needs, it, give it its space, let it set up, let it dry. Don't rush it. So, um, wow, that's huge. That's yeah. a huge catastrophe. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. I mean, luckily I had some other things going on and I was able to like get the show done, but yeah, I definitely like left immediately and like cried at home and then came back and cleaned it up. <laughs> I definitely was like, I must go home now. I'm, I need to leave this. I can't, no one can see me cry. <laughs> I'm at capacity. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I'm done. I'm at capacity. That's it. And I came back later and cleaned it. But yeah, it was like, it was like a whole thing. Cause also since they're so large, it's so much work. Like yeah. it was like four months of work that oh. I like put all in there. So yeah, but it, it was a good lesson. I feel like also clay as a medium teaches you patience, yes. which is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. I didn't have before. <laughs> now I'm like all the time in the world. We'll be late. It's fine. It's clay. I'll miss that deadline. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. It seems like Clay is a big teacher that people can thread those lessons throughout their life. And mm -hmm. you think patience is the number one thing that you've learned to kind of pepper throughout other aspects of your life? For me, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Clay has taught me patience. Also, I think not to get upset about the little things. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you'll put something in a kiln and it won't turn out the way that you want exactly like never does something has a flash or a glaze doesn't turn out or you get a crack, but it's like, 
that has also taught me like it's about the overall idea and not just every single little thing has to come out perfect the way you thought. Like, yeah. Look for the silver lining. Look for the silver lining. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I meant to do that. I meant to have that crack. That's like, that's like where I'm at right now. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be there actually. <laughs> that's how the light gets in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it is a good teacher in that way. It's uh yeah, definitely taught me patience and like, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whatever. It's a crack. It's fine. No one's drinking out of it. It can have cracks. It's okay. <sighs> and so you've done, you did a long-term residency here at Archie Bray, mm-hmm. the Bray where we're sitting upstairs in the education room. Um, and before you had done this, had you worked large scale before or did you have access to larger kilns or was the Bray kind of the first place that allowed you to experiment? Um, no, my undergrad had, so everywhere I've been has been like a step up in kiln size. Mm. So the residency I was at before that had like a three foot kiln and the one before that was two feet. So it was just always, you know, step in, step in, step in, step in. Yeah, like a goldfish in a tank. Like I'm like, I grow as big as that tank allows me to. <laughs> so but now you have your own tank. Yeah, now I have my own tank. I have, I just set up my own studio, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I I have a little kiln, but that's okay because I did what I needed to do with the big work. So. Now I'm excited to like work on some smaller things. And smaller means still like three or five feet. Yeah. Like I'm like, what is small I'm like, mean? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm like smaller things, but only five feet tall. That's Girl, what now I'm they're all on. laying down. Yeah. Now they're all, yeah, now they're just five feet, but like horizontal. So I'm just like working and now I used to work up. Now I'm going to work long. That's cool. Yeah. I think, um, having my own studio too is exciting because I can work on some things that I haven't gotten to do in a while. I want to incorporate, you know, maybe some mixed media or some other things into clay, meaning like paintings and drawings. And now I have the space to work in all of those mediums together where before it was, yeah, fully, fully focused on clay. So, um, I think having some other, some other things in there too, painting and drawing for sure. I don't know. I want to do all, I'm kind of into like sewing. I want to do some of that. I'm all over the place. There's like so many, (laughs) there's so many things on my list of like, uh, new crafts to learn and yeah, yeah, it's all, it's ever growing. I feel like. Well, having your own studio makes it great to have space and time for experimentation. And what's the community mm. like around where you're at? Do you have an arts community there? Like, yeah. Why did you select that space? Um, so I, my studio is in Norman, Oklahoma. That's where I was raised. That's where my family's at. So that has a big tie of like where I wanted to be based. And yeah, the community is really great there. There's a lot of artists. Um, I'm sure as you know, there's a huge native community, mm-hmm. um, Oklahoma City and Norman and in Tulsa. A lot of, um, there's colleges, institutions, there's like Tulsa Art- Artist Fellowship. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on that definitely like supports artists mm-hmm. and I'm excited. So, and I'm ready to like lay down some roots. I feel like I've been traveling a lot from residency to residency and I'm ready to just like be in a place and really, yeah, give into a community and have that again. Yeah. Community seems so important 
from what I understand about the ethos of your practice and Mm -hmm. are you working with any like young cattle youth out there? I mean, you learned from an elder. Mm -hmm. So like what, what's that next step for you? Or are you there yet? What are the protocols? Like, um, so yeah, that's probably going to be next steps. Actually, when we were talking about a studio assistant, that would like be my ideal is like having, you know, another young cattle artist who would want to learn and wants to work in clay, um, come help me in my studio. Yeah. And so a little plug for any cattle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you're in Oklahoma and yeah, I think, uh, I think that would definitely that's going on. And then I would love to have other artists just come out to my own, to my studio and make work. Like I think after being in all these residencies, I really miss having like conversation and being around others and where we talk about issues and talk about our work and talk about what's going on. And so I think I want to set up a, just a mini residency, even in my own spot of like, if friends want to come out for a couple weeks at a time and make work and we talk and they can, I got a kiln, you can fire, you can paint, you can make jewel, whatever you want to do in there. So I think those will be some of the next steps. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just even being here, you guys are here for the uh, first fire project that you and Chinupa are doing mm-hmm. together which we can talk about in a second. I think it might be nice to talk about, Mm -hmm. but just seeing the energy of all these uh, indigenous folks from different nations of North America, like just talking story, not about clay necessarily, clay's the thread, but like just talking about what it means to like be existing today in different ways of being indigenous, uh, urban or more rural and just Mm -hmm. like the pathway of art and all of that. So how has this experience been after being kind of in your own studio? Oh, it's been so great. I've also never had, I've never worked in a collaborative way and we are all making our own work, but in a sense of like, we come to the studio every day together and have conversation and talk about our experiences Um, And then we all go out to dinner and eat. And so I feel like that collaborativeness has been really great for me just because I always work alone. And even being at a residency, you still have your own space. You're not like, you know, kind of in that space 24-7, like with another person or with five other people. And so that has been a new experience for me that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, It's almost like you guys are like a co-op or something. Yeah. Like like shared quarters like yeah. real world it, real lo- it is there should be a real world show. real world show the incubator as we say yeah yeah but it's been great it's been um I've definitely gotten some like inspiration ideas it's always great to hear you know other people experiencing the same things that I experienced just like you know, in our communities, being in the art world, just, yeah, it's, it's been good. Yeah. And we've been talking about that a lot too, of just like the, the way that Native American art, indigenous art is kind of like penetrating the contemporary art world for, in a different way than it probably ever has Mm -hmm. before in the history of the art canon. And it's, this thing that you all are so close to right now, it's kind of hard to recognize. So just having peers and comrades and friends Mm -hmm. to like, this is weird. This is cool. Like what's happening? You know, it's just really nice to like have people to unpack it with and celebrate with and also like express concerns and vulnerability around, you know? 
Yeah. 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 That's been, that's been really nice, especially, yeah. Talking about like all the, everything happening in the art world. I feel like we all have to deal with so many things just on our own. And we were talking about this earlier, like, you know, kind of some of those like dealing with galleries or dealing with collectors Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, trying to do shows and exhibitions and everything that, you know, some of the questions that you get posed to in those situations can be a little, um, they can just be hard. Maybe, I don't know if I, you, you know, some people are just uneducated. So on top of being an artist, I feel like you always are like a history professor as well. It's <laughs> it. We come with so many other things of not just the art, which we were talking about, but yeah, yeah it's also you're coming with a whole <laughs> you're coming with a whole culture, and so that people are wanting to get and collect and. Yeah, it can, and also it can be a that lot. you have to be accountable to. Like, totally. that's, you're not only just speaking about your art and mm-hmm. like standing up for your art. You're standing up for all of your ancestors and mm-hmm. all of the next generations of cattle people. Like, no big deal, no stress. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but what makes you keep wanting to play? What What is that thing inside of you that makes you feel like, no, this is my time and this is what I'm doing? I think it's because it needs to be heard. It's histories that haven't been heard, have been silenced in the past. And I think there's there's a need for it now. And I think people are ready to hear other voices. I think they're ready to hear about other, you know, the dark side of history, as like people would say, that we don't, you know, necessarily grow up learning about. And so I think it's important and what keeps me in the studio is like helping share that story. And again, I'm just one person. I'm, you know, I'm just me, Raven from, I'm, and I'm Caddo, but I'm not even representative of like all the Caddos. This is just like how I have um, grown up, what I have learned from my own history, from my own family, and just sharing that. I'm th- I think that's what's important and what keeps me in is just like the continuum of, I feel like sharing, teaching, knowledge, and putting that out even to like, yeah, so people can educate themselves and the next generation can learn and continue. Yeah, and you said Mm -hmm. anthropology is something you studied. Was it just like the broad stroke of like American anthropological study or was it very specific to your people and your culture? Um, So I went to the University of Arkansas and that is actually Caddo Homelands. And so there's a famous uh, anthropology professor named Dr. Sabo. And he actually, I studied, I went to Caddo courses because that was what he studied his entire life and his whole career was for Caddo's to learn everything. And so it was interesting because, you know, growing up Caddo and, you know, going to dances with my mom and like my Grammy, but then when I would go to school and learn from him, yeah, it was an interesting like dynamic. So when I was in cultural anthropology courses for a while, I thought I wanted to work in, be like more curatorial and so work in museums and be on that side of it. So I studied a lot of museum course. I did a lot of museum studies courses. And so that was kind of the area of focus. Hmm. Um, Do you feel like that's helped you in your career kind of like understand and map or like untangle the mess of the art world, like how uh, to navigate it? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, also my mom is, um, you know, she also studied cultural anthropology. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has definitely like helped 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's still a big mystery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It all is. It's it's learning every day. It's, yeah. you know, always trying to do right and learn and do everything in the best ways that you can. But, yeah, yeah it's still a mystery. <laughs> I feel like that is still in the art world, and I've been in here for a long time. I feel like I learn something new every day. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's always... <laughs> Yeah, I'll think I'll know something, then I'll have a new lesson that I get to learn, too. So that's fun. Keeping you young. Keeping you young, yeah. I'm getting all the lessons. Clay, art world, anthropology, love it. Do you enjoy, I mean, there's one thing to enjoy being an artist, to enjoy being in the studio and making, but do you enjoy the forward-facing art world kind of continuum that you're in now, as well, because you've kind of been thrust into a space where you're having to talk about your work, be photographed, be interviewed, Mm -hmm. like all these things that are hard and difficult Mm -hmm. and take some learning and processing. Like, do you enjoy that part of the job of the practice? Or is it something that you kind of wish could be handled by somebody else? Or like, just where are you at in that whole realm? Um, So that realm is a little bit harder for me. I think making the work and putting the work out, that's really, I'm not going to say easy, but I really enjoy that aspect and that's where my drive is and what I've always wanted to do. Um, But now, yeah, some of like the other side where it's, um, yeah, where it's photographs and people needing, people wanting time. Emails. Emails. Oh God, emails. Sorry if anybody anybody is listening, if I haven't answered an email. (laughs) But that side is really hard for me. It didn't used to be. It is now. And I'm, that's what I'm working on every day, but it's important. And I know that it's important. Mm -hmm. And so you know, that's why I also do interviews and do the photographs that I know that people want to hear from the artists and it's important to have our opinion out there with the work. And also when I go to shows and museums, it's great to hear. You want to hear what the artist has to say. I guess I don't like to do it as much as because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want to make the work and that's kind of how I put myself out there. Yeah. And so it's just, um, for me, it's a balance of how much do I need to you know, how much am I selling myself versus like what's more important with what I'm trying to say to the work? Yeah. And so I try not to sell out my personal life or like, you know, I don't want to, it's not just about that. So that's kind of where I'm always in balance or where I'm always trying to balance things, I should say. Yeah. Let them have what you want them to have. What's, I think I'm a little bit more protective of like my personal life. And so, um, I really, that's why I don't, it's hard for me to do more of the, you know, photos and interviews and all the things, but you know, when it's about the work, that's important to me. And so that's where I'm always, you know, that's important. And I will always put in the work for that purpose. But, um, yeah, just like to be on it, just to like, you know, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not like the clout chaser of like wanting to be on all the things. Although it might seem like it with the photographs I shoot with my work. I'm like, it's me. <laughs> it's for scale. It's for scale. It's so you can see how big my work is like compared to me. <laughs> As I'm wearing like a Louis Vuitton bag, I'm like, no, I hate that it's part. It's not about me. It's not about me. Wait, get this angle. Get this side. <laughs> 
think as I'm like wearing heat like red heels and some of them I'm like I hate that part and then I'm like do I but if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna be well that's cute. true if I'm gonna do it if I'm gonna be made to do it I'm like I am gonna look good <laughs> I will full face glam if, I if I'm gonna do it <laughs> I love that though. Own it. I mean, this yeah. is the time of our lives. Our, this is like, like we need to feel beautiful. We need to totally be in that power. There, there's own been, your power. Yeah, there's been so much of, especially for women, like and queer community, like making ourselves small and just like being quiet or like, you know, just dutiful, like to be able to like be out Mm -hmm. in front and go big and really take up that space Mm -hmm. is like what I feel like you're doing with your work and even the way that you literally present on social media (laughs) and everything. Yeah, Yeah, literally. Literally. (laughs) Let me take up this space. How tall are those ceilings? I'll build to that height. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, here we go. I'm like, how big is that room? Yeah, I'll make some for it. So did you know where Flag Bearer was going when you were building yes. her? Mm-hmm. So they helped me. They helped with that project. So I knew she would be going into that space yeah. um, because they did have 24 foot high ceilings. So wow. I should have made 20 feet. What's up with this 13? <laughs> I should have went even bigger. Well, you still have time. Yeah. <laughs> you you have your whole rest of your life. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think you're right. Owning, I think owning your power now mm-hmm. is very important. And I, you know, that's something I work on too every day of just like, yeah, owning it. Yeah. Morning affirmations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know I always tell my female friends, I'm like, we don't say sorry. No. I'm like, we don't apologize anymore. We're done with that. Yeah. We can't do that. It's been enough. No, it's yeah. been enough. We're There's- not sorry. Yeah, it's time to wave that flag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's time to wave that flag of like, yeah, power and just like really coming back into like what is possible. And the. I feel like we're in a time of overcompensating for all the smallness that like women have had. And so that's, I guess, I know feminism is very loaded, especially for women of color of how it's been so co-opted by Mm -hmm. white culture and also capitalism. So I feel like your work is very feminist, but I also want to be mindful that like that means something different for every culture, you know? And Mm -hmm. so like uh, feminism can be just like taking up space, just like Mm -hmm. being in spaces that your community, your culture wasn't allowed in or even thought of placed into spaces of like antiquity or historical past or primitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, as we're here at the first fire, like there's this irony and this like humor around like all of these survivalists like out there trying to like pit fire and make stuff and like, like gleaning and co-opting indigenous like methodologies and culture for Mm -hmm. pit firing. Right. And they're calling it primitive ways of firing. And it's like, can we change the language, right? Just the same thing you're doing with placing like these huge indigenous women in, excuse me, in museums. Like how can that trickle down into everything, right? Mm -hmm. How are you working maybe within this group and how is this group working to like, I mean, you all are joking about it, but it's also a serious issue about the way that stuff is still caught in this historical rhetoric. I think it's, you know, trying to, we're trying, we need new vernacular, you know, for what, especially like some of these books that you see that say like primitive clay. I think we're trying to build new language behind that. I think primitive kind of 
puts things, first of all, I think it has to do with brown people generally of what people think of primitive clay. And then also I feel like it puts it in like a time like capsule of like primitive meaning like ancient or old or like not of this time. And so that's just not the case either. So it's really, um, it's been good conversation of trying to change the language around that of what that can mean. But yeah, I've been working on a few small things that we're going to test in pit fire. And just again, the conversation around clay and what it means to be in clay and an artist and each of our personal like experiences like as as native artists and what we have to deal with and I think also this group it's really important that we come together because I've been at the Bray for several years and I have love it here and have enjoyed the experience but I feel like these are two different worlds and I feel like the native art community is a separate space than the contemporary like clay community if we're speaking about clay. Well, and even so, sometimes I feel like those even contemporary art world is different from like native art world. And so it was really important for me when bringing First Fire together to merge those two spaces because, you know, the Bray is kind of like this awesome bubble and has a history of bringing really great clay artists through, but then has no connection to like any of the indigenous community communities here or any of the tribes here. And also for that matter, like doesn't bring in like native artists who are making badass, like um, traditional pots are working, um, you know, making sculptures. And so I think it was important for these two worlds to meet. And, you know, some of the artists in first fire maybe haven't had the experience of like firing in a kiln. And so, you know, it's it's been good. It's been good for both of these worlds to kind of combine and meet and experience one another. Yeah, I remember when we were here for Chinupa's first visiting artist residency, and you were here as a long-term resident, you all were saying that it was like the the most natives that had ever been at the Bray at one time. Totally. <laughs> I think Steve said I was the first native yeah, artist. Yeah. Long-term. Yeah. Yeah, and then two at once, like, that mm-hmm. was, like, yeah, break. Mind blown. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so ridiculous, but I see that often even in, like, uh, contemporary DEI efforts where they're like, we need one of everything, you know? Totally. Like, even um, when you think about, like, and and Sika's journey and all of that, you mm-hmm. know, it's like getting it right takes a lot of stumbling. And I feel like uh, the fact that um, First Fire was able to come to be through like Chinupa and you and your care, you know, and um, Steve's willingness to like advocate for it, even as he was changing positions. Oh yeah, Steve's Steve's been great. Yeah. And he was really advocating for this space in this group as well. And so it's been, it's been wonderful. I think the Bray is trying to change the lens of what it's been before. Um, historically, and I think it's great. I think there's, you know, other programming that's going to come about that's going to help. You know, I think we're kind of like leading the way with some things, and I hope it goes also bigger than the Bray. I hope there's other institutions as well that kind of like ask some questions and want to bring in some other artists, and I think this is a, I think this is a great like first 
you know, we'll stumble along the way. This is the first time we're kind of doing this. And especially for me, like a collaborative project like this. But yeah, I think, I think it's wonderful. I think it's needed at a lot of places, not just, you know, not just here. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I just love it. I love seeing the energy because this is our third year here. I've never felt so kind of at home, so to speak, just having everybody just laughing and joking and making, and Mm -hmm. it just feels really nice to be here in a way that I haven't felt a hundred percent in the past three years. So I'm just like, yes, more of this wherever it's, wherever it's going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also just want to name like how beautiful it is watching like like the friendship that you and Chinupa have and the different ways you look at clay as peers, you know, and the different ways you activate it in your practices Mm -hmm. and coming together for first fire, like, and just the different perspectives you have and you're seeing your leadership roles and also like your, your inquisitiveness and like wanting to learn from the other artists that you all selected to invite Mm -hmm. in, you know, it's just a really beautiful process. And do you want to talk about kind of what your hopes are for it, where you see it going from here? Yeah. So, you know, we all are here collaborating and making our own work, but we also want to build a facility. We want to build a building here on site at the Bray. And whether that's using um, a historical building that's kind of refurbished and revamped for that or building something new, that could be exciting as well. So we're all here to kind of figure out the, uh, the best way to do that. And we want to incorporate all first firings. So um, I think that's really important too is What's the best way to pit fire? What should it look like? Should it be, what should the ground be? Should it be dirt? Should it be outside? Does it need to have foundation or concrete or be enclosed? And um, so I think my, you know, dream for that would be to figure out what type of um, facility we want to set up. But even furthermore would be probably the programming afterwards and, you know, bringing in communities and bringing in other, um, especially youth, youth that are here locally, I think is really important to uh, teach all this knowledge to the next generation. I don't think a lot of people have access to that or maybe they don't have people that do clay in their family or so I think it would be that would be my dream is the getting the youth involved and having programming that where they can come and make and fire and learn from other invited artists you know that come here and maybe workshop or maybe do like a mini residency. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys have lame deer, kids from mm-hmm. lame deer coming down, even though they're kind of doing other kind of workshops with their own teacher, they're going to get to meet you all and yeah. hang out. And that's going to be so cool. Yeah. Like I'm, the first steps. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about that. I don't usually work with, um, I don't do a lot of teaching either or workshops. <laughs> I feel like I came on this podcast. I'm like, I don't do much. I don't do it. I don't like to do that. And I also don't like to do that. <laughs> that's but, not the um, case. That's yeah, not that's the not case. the case. You're like, not you just all. explained that you made a 13 yeah, foot yeah. tall sculpture. So you, you're but, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're coming here and I'm super excited. They'll be here for five days, nine to five every single day. And they'll just be, they'll just be around us for And Lame Deer is a reservation that's just about like 20 miles away. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, I think there's about six students that will be coming in high school and they're pretty serious about their clay practice as well. So it'll be good. I also learn, I feel like just as much from youth as they do for me. I feel like, you know, 
the youth and the children are like the ones who ask like hard hitting questions, the ones that are most okay with failing and like, you know, they don't know what a certain glaze will look on a certain material and that's okay, but we're going to fire it and we're going to figure it out. So I have a lot of respect for, you know, when, um, I have a lot of respect for like the youth and I learn just as much from them. So I'm excited about that because I feel like I'm always constantly learning. Yes. Yeah. That's the way right mm-hmm. there. That's kind mm-hmm. of the secret, <laughs> secret ingredient. I'm like, keep me young. <laughs> no, it's yeah. true though. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, having the youth's energy around also like kind of creates this mirror or this reflection of yeah. like how, how much, how precious everything is, how much we take for granted knowledge Mm. and the material knowledge and how much more there is to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really beautiful to have them around. And I'm super excited for that too. I know Chinupa is very pumped about it and I'm just really excited to see this wherever it ends up going. I know that you all have put so much care and intention over for over almost two years now, just like setting up the pieces and it could be another two years before Mm -hmm. the site is even built, you know, but Mm -hmm. there's so much bureaucracy involved in a project like this. And it's just like keeping the momentum and energy up and inviting these other artists. Like we have Anita Fields here and we, yeah, Jared. So like, there's just some amazing people here and totally. that they all have so much knowledge or lack of knowledge as well. Like, yeah, well, and you know, it's a place for, I am love to continuously learn and, you know, I haven't been in school in a while and, and then you're just like in your own studio with your own ideas and concepts and pushing the work. And so being in a space like this where I can just be quiet and like, you know, listen to Jared, who's so knowledgeable. It's been, it's been nice for me, to be honest, to not be the one who's the, on the stage you know, not be the one who's constantly being asked the questions or like having to do all of the, you know, having to do all the interviews for museums. And it's, it's nice to be in this space and we're all learning from each other, but mostly I'm learning. I'm like, how much do I know? Hmm. Maybe not much, maybe not much. And that's okay. (laughs) But you know, it's, it's good because there I'm learning a lot. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> no, I'm like, I do know a lot, but I'm yeah. also learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also different worlds colliding, right? Mm-hmm. There's like more like customary, like pottery pro- yes. pro- practices taking place and then more contemporary art practices. Like I feel like you and Chinupa kind of navigate in the same world, you know, yeah. whereas like Tara and Jared, like they focus on pottery and like traditionalism a lot more. And neither is better or worse. They're just Mm -hmm. like different kind of circles in like a larger universe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's been, it's been great to hear some of their processes and how they make with clay, because sometimes you feel like you, since I am in a more, you know, in a contemporary realm, 
Sometimes you lose like that relationship with like fire or like physically going out and digging clay, which we just did like the other day. We Amazing. went out on the Missouri River and we pulled clay from the river and I made three pots with it today. So, you know, being, I think being part of the entire process again is like super refreshing for me. I think, you know, you can neglect some of those things or kind of like be absent in pulling clay or having a relationship with fire. I, you know, I buy commercial clay. I use commercial glazes. And so, yeah, having that again has been nice, you know, mm, yeah. it's, been, it's been great. A little re- regenerative. Yeah, time. yeah, mm. yeah. And you yes. guys are going to do your first pit firing tomorrow night, mm-hmm. hopefully. So yeah, that's very I'm cool. excited. Yeah. Yeah. I made um, some little bowls and pots, some caddo some caddo pots. I know it was funny. Jared uh, looked over at my <laughs> my bottle pots that I was making. He goes, yeah, those are caddo. I was like, I know. <laughs> he was like, for sure, those are caddo. I was like, hmm? <laughs> You're also yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, so am I. What are you trying to say? I love are we going to be comparing pots right now? <laughs> but no, it's been fun. Plus, I haven't made anything functional in a really long time. And it's, um, yeah, it's just a totally different like mindset of mm. like things you're, you know, can it hold water? Is it going to pour out evenly? Like it has to sit on a table, like flat and level, just things I don't really worry about with my large scale sculpture, mm-hmm. like cracks. I can't have <laughs> cracks in these. <laughs> well, I remember when you first, when we all first got here, um, you were just kind of like a little bit exhausted from so much big building and you were yeah. like, I'm just ready to like, kind of like ease in and like be a part of a community and mm-hmm. this and that. And you're like, I'm just going to make a little bit. And you're like, even though you're not building, you're mm-hmm. I'm like, girl, you can't help yourself. I know. <laughs> I guilt myself. I'm like, girl, you can't just sit here and not make. So then of course I have like five pots. I was like, well, I'll just make instead of big, I'll just make a lot. Um, it's no, but amazing. it's, yeah, it's been good. I had that show. So I was kind of on like a downwind of like, you know, just rejuvenating kind of doing some self-work and focusing on like what the next show is going to be, what um, my next body of work is going to look like. But now I'm like, I'm like re-energized again, like being here and being with these other makers and, you know, our conversations, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling energized. I got some ideas brewing. So that's pretty exciting for, um, yeah, I have some things coming up that I want to work on. It's getting me Getting me excited to get home and uh, work in studio on some, maybe some larger works coming up. Yeah, Yeah. cool. Well, at the end of the podcast, we always kind of talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, tips and tricks or just like advice or reflections, like Mm -hmm. just something to plant some seeds for other artists, maybe who are a few steps behind you or who are just having trouble like finding a way to like recalibrate or re-energize after mm-hmm. maybe even after a big show like you just had like what are what are some things that you've been carrying with you or building a toolkit to have with you to like keep your energy up keep your heart full stay yeah. in a good way yeah yeah well there's a couple things um i think 
What's been important for me and something that I've gotten better at with age is um, making sure you're doing okay. I think to make the best work, you have to be well. And, you know, if being in a studio 24-7 is like, you know, physically and mentally like depriving, then you got to take a break and like go feed, feed the soul, you know, feed the mind. And that's been really important for me. I think, I think everything that I deal with outside of the studio or things that I have going on now are just as important as me being in the studio. So I kind of live 50, 50 where prior I was, you know, killing myself to get things done to like work and work and push in studio. And, you know, I think I still do at some points, but I think going out and living your life and having those experiences to talk about is just as important as making the work. Like you gotta, you gotta live your life to like talk about those things or like get out and go like be with your people or community or, you know, you have to go do those things to make the work. To, for me. And so I think that's really important is to, yeah, make sure don't push yourself too hard. I mean, definitely work hard, but like, you know, it's a balance. It's all a balance. And, um, the other thing I would say is don't give up. If you're an artist and you're, you know, having to work at other places or have a part-time job or have to do your art as like a side hustle, just like keep going. Um, I was working as a bartender and as a waitress just a year and a half ago. And so I'm just now at the point where I can thankfully make work full time. But it's definitely been, it was hard, but you have to just keep going. Don't give up. And I think what you put, I'm a big believer in what you put energy to, that's going to come about. So if you put energy into the things you want to do and maybe your plan A, which would be like, being a full-time artist, I think, really try to give that your all. Yeah. Those would be my little my little tidbits. <laughs> Those aren't little. Those are big and grand. They're big. I think, I know. I hate to be the person who's like, manifestation, but <laughs> I mean, kind of. I believe yeah. that. <laughs> I was... I think what you, yeah. how you think about things, what you put energy towards how how you speak about things though it will come about mm-hmm. what you think comes about so yeah always try to have even i myself like have a vision board or like write down goals and i will just like look at them every day yeah like here's some place that i want to show or want to be at write it down look yeah. at it yeah. think about it yeah. give it you have to give it like energy you have to give it thought Mm-hmm. And it works the other way too. Like Chinoop and I always joke, like mm-hmm. wor- worrying is also a form of prayer, right? So it's like it you is. have to be careful. That also has power too. Exactly. Like you really do have to be like, check yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I putting out? Like, what do I want to get back? And yeah, recalibrate, like reset and going out in nature, taking breaks helps you mm-hmm. to be that clear. Yeah. So those advices really tie into each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think making sure you're okay. Like I started doing like exercising more, meditating. I have morning affirmations that you can like listen to or say, Mm -hmm. you know, I think all those things help. Yeah. And they've been so stigmatized as like hokey or hippy dippy or this Totally. They are. That's why it's like, even I'm laughing saying like, just manifest it. (laughs) 
But it's just because it's been co-opted totally. by capitalist culture yes. and like sold to us. But yes. like at the root, all of that stuff is really hell of indigenous in like no, even it from is, like old sure. European ways, like to North America, like the, all those ways of like speaking to the universe is mm-hmm. oldest time. Mm-hmm. It's just been capitalized on. And so that's yeah. why we cringe. Yeah. But we can reclaim that shit. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I do it. Never. Yeah, I think of my whole practice as like very holistic. Like it's this, it's everyone. It's all of us. Like everything, all my energy goes into these pieces. These pieces go out. They put out energy. Like it's a whole mm-hmm. everything. Aside from money or like clout or anything that has to do with consumption or capitalism, like what do you wish you had more of? Mm, Time. Mm. Yeah. Time. I feel like I could use more time in all the ways. I feel like when, um, you, you know, and I always think too, like I think time is our greatest currency, like who we give time to who we spend time with. If you're not happy with like a friend or a gallery or a place or an institution and they're not making you feel right or taking your time, I feel like those relationships aren't good. And so that's a place in my life where I'm really doing um, a lot of self-work with time. So if I give my time and this person isn't reciprocating back, do they need to be a part of you know, do they need to be a part of like my circle? Because it's so important about, because we don't have a lot of it. And so, yeah, I just wish, you know, I spend time in the studio, but I could always be with family a lot more. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think it would be time for sure. Yeah. What about mm. you? I think I agree. It's time is not a renewable resource. Mm-hmm. And for myself being a mother and all of a sudden to an 11 year old and nine year old, I'm like, whoa, what is happening? Right. I just keep looking. Then they're at, like men. Yeah. Looking like, at hey, videos mom. when they were babies, <laughs> like, look at you when you were a yeah. baby. They're like, stop already. <laughs> yeah. Time is so fleeting and yeah, it's precious. And we, it's the one thing that we really can't get back. And so I, I agree. I think that's, that's it, you know, and just like, I feel like more joy, you know, like one thing I w- always try to check myself in. Cause I am, I'm like a producer brain. I'm a manager brain. So I always mm-hmm. get like into that mode, but I'm like, I need to find more joy and more laughter, you know? And that's why I love Chinupa so much. Cause he's always like reminding me, like kicking me in the back of the knees. So, you know, <laughs> like, just like, yeah. Buckle ginger, just chill. Yeah. For sure. My dad is like that for me. Yeah. We need those people. Yeah, for sure. They keep you, yeah. They keep you honest. (laughs) Yeah. We need someone who's going to check you a little bit, kind of test it, (laughs) make you laugh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. Uh, So if there was one thing you could say to the world, and this is your platform, people listen to this podcast all over the world. Mm -hmm. What would you say? This is your soapbox moment, Raven Half Moon. (laughs) I think... I would just say, you know, and what I say with my work, like, we're still here. And I think that's really important to say that, like, Native communities are still here. Like, not just Caddo Nation, who I represent, but all of us, we're an adaptive people, still here, still powerful. And, you know, I think some... (laughs) <laughs> there's some ideas and romanticism of what that can mean. And I think it's ever changing, ever evolving. And so that would probably be 
the message is just still here, taking up space. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Raven, Yay. we did it. We did it. We've been planning this for like two years uh, or it's just been a wild ride and so much it's work. It's me. It's because I don't like doing interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so special. You have my time. <laughs> I, I got an hour and 15 minutes from oh. Raven Half Moon. I'm rich. You have my time currency. <laughs> No, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yay, thank you. It's been awesome.